0: Did you ever get into fights when you were a kid? Uh, plenty. Yeah, but it wasn't like a problem I have, right? Why? Fighting, fighting. Same, same. Yeah, but you knew karate. <laughs> Someone always know more. You mean there were times when you were scared to fight? Uh, always scared. Yeah, you hate the fighting. Yeah, but you like karate. So? So, karate's fighting, you train to fight. That how do you think? No. Then, why train? So I won't have to fight. Miyagi <laughs> yeah, have a hope for you. What am I going to learn how to punch? Learn how to punch. Learn how keep trying! What did you all went behind me! <laughs> <Are you crazy? laughs> Good morning, everybody! Nothing like a little blast from the past to get things started, right? Oh boy, the karate kid. Well, we'll talk about that later, I promise. We'll talk about that later, but first things first. This is the third in our sermon series of Everyday Heroes, and I believe Pastor Clark probably preached on Elijah last week. All right, so we are going to talk about Elijah as well, uh, but we're going to talk about Elisha. Now, we're going to use Elijah to get us into the context of Elisha. And so I'm going to start with our main text today, and that is from 2 Kings chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and then 6 through 14. Well, a couple of years ago, this was like um, large print, you know? okay all right I I can do this (laughs) now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal Elijah said to Elisha stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel but Elisha said as the Lord lives and as you yourself live I will not leave you so they went down to Bethel Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went, and they stood at some distance from them as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to one side and then to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what may I do for you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended into a whirlwind, into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, as I said, we're going to talk about Elisha mainly, but we need to kind of back up and refresh our memories a little bit about Elijah to have this all make sense and come together. Um, Elijah, of course, was Elisha's predecessor, and he was his mentor, really. He was a mentor to him. Uh, If you go back into the Old Testament, into 1 Kings, you'll see Elijah's whole story. Now, he appears to us in the beginning as Elijah the Tishbite. Uh, Tishbite. Now, you know, there were Tishbites. There were a lot of people with a lot, from a lot of different regions that sound kind of odd to us, But nonetheless, he was a settler of Gilead. But it still doesn't tell us a whole lot about him, does it? We do know, though, he was a prophet, of course. He served during a really hard time because he served during Ahab, King Ahab's reign. Anybody remember Ahab? He was probably the most wicked king Israel ever knew. So right there, he's probably rethinking his new job, his new line of work. One of the first things that Elijah prophesied was the never popular three-year drought. Don't ever start your prophecy career with a three-year drought. Because it came true. There was no water for three years. Not popular, especially not in the eyes of wicked Ahab. But you know, God's always got our backs, right? God had Elijah's back. And so he had told him, make this prophecy and then get out of town. Get out of town. Beat it. Go to another region. And that sort of became Elijah's MO. That was sort of his pattern. He was given a prophecy by God. He would deliver the prophecy, and then he would leave the premises, and God would always back him up. God would always provide for him and take care of him. Prophets, of course, didn't have the most desirable news. They weren't always delivering what everybody wanted to hear. And Ahab, there's probably not a whole lot that he ever wanted to hear. So, you know, it was a tense situation for Elijah. He followed God. He listened to his calling. But at the same time, coming up against people like Ahab continually and then having to prophesy and leave, prophesy and leave. You know, that's not really a sustainable lifestyle, is it? So Elijah became dejected. He became forlorn and depressed about it. In 1 Kings 19, he cries out to God and he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. You know, I I know we can relate because human beings, we can only take so much constant stress. We know that. And, of course, Elijah, Elijah thought of himself as just an everyday person until God called him. Up until that point, I mean, he didn't consider himself as anything but an everyday person. He surely didn't think that he would be called to a life of such risk. But this incredibly, what he thought, ordinary person had this extraordinary calling from God, and that's what mattered. And Elijah could not deny that call, neither did he want to, and that's why he cried out to God for relief. God answered Elijah too. You know, God is so faithful, God always answers us. God answered Elijah. We remember the story of how Elijah encountered God. Remember how that happened? It wasn't in the windstorm, it wasn't in the earthquake or the fire, but he encountered God in that still small voice, that whisper, that gentle whisper. And it was in that whisper that God told Elijah to go find a man named Elisha who would become his successor. And so in the latter part of 1 Kings 19, we read about Elijah finding Elisha. And I'll read that with you. So Elijah set out from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing. There were 12 yoke of oxen ahead of him, and he was with the 12. Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle over him. He left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I'll follow you. And then Elijah said to him, go back, go back then, for what have I done to you? Well, he returned from following him. He took the yoke of oxen, and he slaughtered them. And then he used the equipment from the oxen, and he cooked the meat, and he gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out, and he followed Elijah and became his servant. Now, I don't know about you, but you know when you're called into the ministry in the United Methodist Church, you generally go before uh, the board of uh, ordained ministry. Um, you know, nobody really slaps a coat on your shoulders and says, go. That's a really interesting way to get called into the ministry, isn't it? To have that mantle put on your shoulders. But a mantle, a mantle, of course, is another word for coat or cloak. And cloaks, well, they play, you know, they still do play a big part uh, in our culture, in our lives. From a practical standpoint in the Bible, cloaks were used for protection from the elements. Um, Pillows, blankets, clothing. They were used as clothing, too. John the Baptist, in fact, wore what we might consider a cloak. And if you remember blind Bartimaeus from the New Testament, Bartimaeus was not a prophet. He was a beggar. Uh, But his cloak, he would take every morning and he would cast it out on the ground in front of him so that people who were passing by could put change in it. And that was how he made his living. But it's not the cloak here. It's not the cloak that's the important part of the story. It's the calling that the cloak represents. And what we're seeing here, what we're seeing here is not someone giving someone else a coat. We're seeing Elijah. Elijah passing down his own calling to Elisha or more accurately Elijah is following God's call to pass on his own prophetic role to a new prophet Elijah is passing the mantle we hear that phrase passing the mantle to Elisha that's a powerful act we think it's so powerful and it is so powerful but listen to what Elijah did remember what he did his knee jerk was to hesitate oh, I I need to go and say goodbye to my family before I leave Elijah. I need to do that. That would kind of make us wonder, well, is this the appropriate response? I mean, shouldn't he just get up and just go? But think about it. Think about it for just a minute here. Who was Elisha? I mean, up until Elijah came on the scene that day, Elisha was simply an everyday person out plowing the family field. He didn't consider himself anyone important, and I am sure that he did not expect that day to be called by God. But what he didn't count on, though, is that God often calls the unsuspecting, and he often calls just everyday people. Elisha also was not the first person to hesitate after being called either. Biblically, let's take a look at Isaiah and Jeremiah. They both said, Oh, God, we're not good speakers. We can't do this. We're not going to do this. Isaiah said that he was a man of unclean lips. And Jonah, Jonah too, well, we know what happened to Jonah. It did not end well there for a little bit. I mean, it was okay in the end. Jonah ran, Jonah ran, and he wound up in the belly of a fish for crying out loud. People go to great extremes, you know, to just walk away from that calling. So let's not judge Elisha's hesitance. Let's not judge his character just because he stalled a little bit. And I'll tell you one reason why we shouldn't. He wanted to go say goodbye to his family, but look what he did when he got back. He sacrificed those oxen. He burned his plowing equipment so that he could feed the people before he left. He wanted to take care of the priorities, and he gave up his livelihood to take up the life of an itinerant prophet. Boy, that's faith. That's faith. So in 2 Kings chapter 2, and that's where we've picked up the story today. These two prophets are about to be separated because Elijah, Elijah is going to be carried into the, um, winds, uh, into the um, whirlwind, and Elisha has to stay behind. Well, they come to the Jordan River, and Elijah takes that mantle, and he rolls it up, and he strikes the water. And what happens? It parts, and the two men can go forward Understand, of course, understand that it's not the mantle that did the work. The mantle is not some kind of good luck charm or a talisman or anything like that. The cloak is an instrument of faith. And Elijah was demonstrating God's power that was bestowed on him, just like it was Moses. And that's the same power that will be transferred to Elisha. It's passing the mantle, remember? and elisha's ready to receive it he is so ready he has promised elijah several times i will not leave you i will not leave you he was so faithful and he knows exactly what he wants too when elijah says what can i do before you for, before i am taken from you elisha is bold to ask for what he really desires and that is a double portion of elijah's spirit Now notice here, he's not asking for money, he's not asking for status or privilege, he's asking for a spiritual inheritance. That's something that we read about in Deuteronomy. It's not uncommon in the Old Testament. Spiritual inheritance is the right of the firstborn. And I dare say Elisha thought that he was somewhat of a son to Elijah by this time, and he was. Double portions are just not uncommon in the Old Testament. Elkanah, Elkanah, for instance, um, gave a double portion to his wife Hannah because he loved her. God wound up giving Job twice as much because of all the suffering that he'd endured. So this makes sense. It makes sense that Elisha would ask for this. Well, Elijah is whisked upward into that whirlwind, and Elisha cries out, My father, my father! And he goes into a deep lament, tearing the cloth. But when he needed to cross that river again, what did he do? He rolled up Elijah's cloak, his mantle, struck the water, and the waters parted just as they had for Elijah. You now, I think this is such a beautiful picture. Uh, of this everyday person, every just like you and just like me, sought out and called by God to succeed this incredible prophet. And God gave Elisha that double pl- blessing too. He gave him that double portion. Elisha spent the remainder of his life doing good work, miraculous work. He did the work of God on earth. He followed his calling from God. In case you don't know it, friends, guess what? We're all called. You ever thought about that? We are all called. Every single person in this room, within the sound of my voice, you're called. We're all called. Understand, though, that calling looks different for everybody. It doesn't mean that you have to preach, doesn't mean that you have to teach or go to seminary or, or even be in ministry. Calling is whatever God places on your heart that would be for the good of God's kingdom, something you can do. God has given all of you gifts and graces, and God will reveal those to you if he hasn't already. And that's why it's so important to stay in touch with God. Pray to God. Be in communication with God always so that God can reveal to you those gifts and graces. I am so glad, too, that God puts people beside us. God places people with us to guide us and to mentor us and challenge us, too. We need challenging sometimes. I need it. When Elisha was young in his prophetic career, you heard that he mentioned that company of prophets? Well, he had that whole company of prophets. They affirmed him. And they said the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And God places our own company of people who walk beside us. So we don't have to figure out God's call alone. And we don't have to serve God alone. Boy, that's a good thing. It's biblical, and as with so many things that are biblical, it's made its way into our modern culture, too, and I refer to the Karate Kid, right? Right? We all have that Mr. Miyagi in our lives, don't we? But to refresh your memory a little bit about that great old movie, and isn't it funny I'm calling a movie from 1984 an old movie? Holy cow! But... (laughs) So, you have Daniel, and he is literally the new kid in town, new kid on the block. What happens? He gets bullied, picked on, beat up, harassed you name it. And that's when he met, meets Mr. Miyagi, who is this humble and kind karate master. Well, Mr. Miyagi, of course, teaches Daniel karate, and Daniel learns to defend himself through all the moves. But more than that, Daniel learns life lessons, he learns commitment and he learns integrity, and he learns balance in life. Daniel was pushed around until he learned a different way, and then he became a different person. He became a better person, but it took someone wiser to show him that better way. When we respond to God's call, we learn a better way. You know, our hearts are softened when we respond to God's call on our lives. Our minds are awakened to both the incredible need in the world along with the incredible blessings. And God gives us these things to hold and to consider as God helps us understand the part that we all play in order to bring God's kingdom closer to earth. Make no mistake about it. God needs us and we need each other. We also need our mentors. We need our own Elijahs who are willing to come alongside us and help us do that kingdom work, help us understand that kingdom work. Somebody who's been there before. I know when I was called into the ministry, it could have blown me over with, I don't know what, a feather. I was flabbergasted. I was, don't get me wrong, I was taken aback. I was humbled. I was literally brought to my knees. I was... I was overwhelmed. I was truly overwhelmed. And it took some people, especially my ministry mentor, to kind of help me parse this out and understand it. I remember thinking that, um, you know, who am I? That was really my first thought. Who am I? Why would God call me? Who, me? I'm nobody. I'm nobody. That just was this resounding theme in my head. But my mentor, who was also my senior pastor at the church I was serving, Gave me two words that I'll never forget. Be yourself. Just be yourself. God wants you as you are. Just be yourself. What a weight off my shoulders. I couldn't believe it. What a huge lesson. I didn't have to be somebody famous or distinguished. God wanted me just as I am. And God wants all of us just as you are. I think one of the most important parts of calling is that God awakens us to our true selves. You know, we have a world out here. We have a culture that tells us that in order to be someone, well, we we have to change. We have to mold ourselves into something else. We have to fit into a certain box. And that's not true. That's just not true. It's not about that. It's not about our station in life, and it's not about who we need to become. It's about who we are. In God's eyes, and this is so important, in God's eyes, we are all profoundly important because we're all here to do God's work on earth. When Jesus taught the disciples and and us to pray, he said, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know this is not an easy task. And nobody said it was easy to be a Christian, did they? But we're not alone. John's Gospel tells us that before he was crucified, Jesus prayed to God and said, and now I am no longer in the world, but they, meaning the disciples, are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. And then he goes on to pray, protect them from the evil one and sanctify them in the truth. We're covered. We are covered and we are protected and we are never alone. It's so good to know. It's so good to know that we're not all called to go out and slay giants or interpret dreams or stand in the fiery furnace. But as Christians, we are all called to believe in and to profess the word of God. We're called on to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And this is what God desires of you. You don't have to be famous or popular or accepted by the world. In fact, I think it would do us all good to remember the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 12:2. He said, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What's good and what's acceptable and perfect is loving God and being who God created us to be, and that's ourselves. So if you don't already know it, talk to God and discover your calling. What an exciting adventure. And then live your calling. And when you start to falter or if you feel like the world is closing in or beating you up, don't forget the truth that you really are so important in God's eyes. In God's eyes, you are a hero. Would you pray with me, please? God, we are so thankful that you do give us all individual gifts and graces, Lord, beyond measure, Oh, God, we are so grateful for that. And although it's such a scary thing to think about going out and serving you, because the world's not a nice place all the time, Lord. Even though it's so scary, Lord, we know that you're with us. We know that you cover us. We know that you love us. So, God, help us to discover what you have in store for us. Help us to, to... work with you and listen to you and open our hearts and our ears and our minds help us discern our calling lord and once we know that calling help us to live it holy god we love you so much and we lift up all of these things lord in your son's precious name we pray in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen